Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We see fighters come back from adversity all of the time. You can take a big shot and get rocked, but somehow find the time to recover. Sometimes you can even win the fight. I mean, just ask our mate, Nathaniel Wood. But most of the time when you see a submission locked in, I mean, truly, fully sunk into place, fighters will sensibly tap. It's not like a knockout. No, submissions are either so painful you have to tap or, well, you're supposed to go to sleep. But as Wesley Snipes once said, Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate up here. Yeah, I don't know. Somehow it felt relevant. Also, this intro's probably gone on for too long. I'm Bailey and from MMA On Point, here are the channel Hall of Famers. They deserve a shout out because they support us and our content big time. And these are the 15 most insane submissions that fighters survived. Number 15, Derek Lewis versus Blagoy Ivanov. I think we learned pretty recently that Derek Lewis is damn near impossible to submit. I mean, Jalen Almeida pretty much gave up halfway through that fight, but his approach to jiu-jitsu has always been pretty simple, just black beast his way out of it. But that didn't stop the judo black belt and international master of sport in Sambo, Blagoy Ivanov, from trying, now did it. About halfway through their fight, both men were looking a little worse for wear and starting to breathe heavy. <laughs> Blagoy found a body lock and then started working for a pretty nasty Americana. It's a bad position here for Derek Lewis. It looked pretty damn bad. Lewis's arm was totally inverted, but in traditional Derek fashion, after he'd had enough of that, he simply stood up and carried on with the rest of the fight. Even Ov has subbed plenty of heavyweights in his day. For sure that he was in control of the fight because of the takedowns and the submission attempts like that. So I was surprised um, for it to be that close. Number 14, Soren Back versus Paddy Pimblett. We've seen a lot of UFC fighters come over from Cage Warriors, especially after becoming champion. Paddy Pimblett was one of their guys to win the featherweight title, but after he lost it in a decision, he decided to go to 155 and fight for the belt there as well. They're not going to like the new improved Paddy Pimblett, who's actually trying. Now, Paddy was 14-2 and two at this point and had a number of submission wins on his record, some of them in the first round, so it was understandable that chaos absolutely ensued when in his hometown of Liverpool, Paddy the Baddy took Sorens back in the first round. And honestly, it looked like it was going to be over. Champ Champ Paddy, two titles in Cage Warriors, his ticket to the UFC, it was all about to happen, but despite the choke turning back's face into a scene from Total Recall, the guy just didn't tap, he wasn't even defending at one point, he just never went unconscious and Paddy kept squeezing, but just couldn't get the guy to go to sleep. Eventually Paddy lost a decision, he got kind of tired and Soren slowly took over the fight when he'd been seconds from losing. Number 13, Hoist Gracie versus Matt Hughes. 
Until Charles Oliveira came along and started racking up those numbers, Hoist Gracie had the record for the most submissions in UFC history, but that was when he was a much younger man. When they booked him to fight Matt Hughes in the UFC, he was 39 years old. Hughes had been on a five-fight win streak, including arm-barring George St. Pierre. I mean, maybe even at nearly 40, the family jiu-jitsu was just that good, but what really happened is Matt muscled him around until three minutes into the round, he started working on a Kimura that turned into a straight arm lock from hell. His arm is bent in a bad angle, man. Surely his arm was about to break, but there was no way Hoist was tapping in front of Elio Gracie, and he did the old, this isn't working defense face. Matt eventually realized he wasn't going to tap and decided instead to beat him into submission. Number 12, Mohamed Makayev versus Jafel Filo. Although he's still a young guy, Mohamed has done pretty well in the UFC. In just a year and a half, he won four fights. He's a relentless grappler, and he's managed to finish three of those wins by submission. He then got to open the prelims in London against the dangerous Brazilian Jafel Filo, and it looked pretty much like a normal Makaya fight until about halfway through the final round when Jafel jumped on a knee bar that stretched Mohamed out and started peeling his knee like a cheese string. He was in that thing for a straight minute and apparently even tore his MCL in the process, but he eventually slid out and wasn't happy to just survive. He chased his neck for the last minute and a half of the round and neck cranked the jiu-jitsu out of him. Number 11, Alexander Otsuka versus Sane Kikuta. Okay, so I won't blame you for probably never hearing of either of these two guys. Who the fuck is that guy? But among all your favorite Pride stars, there's also those other fighters who showed up every event and poured out their heart and souls trying to get a victory in the name of the Pride Bushido spirit. Alexander Otsuka and Sanei Kikuta were both also Japanese, so they showed up at Pride 20 to put on a show, and that's exactly what they did, with both men absolutely going to war and pushing themselves to the brink. Going into the final round, they were both completely battered. So, with just a few minutes left in the final round, it was up to Kikuta to do something spectacular, and he locked in an armbar. It honestly looked like he was ready to rip Alexander's arm off, and the ref repeatedly showered at him, asking if he wanted to give up, but he didn't, and he also just didn't tap. It was like he was waiting for his arm to break. It never did, and somehow he survived to the final belt. Number 10, Carla Esparza versus Alexa Grasso. I think most people were surprised, given how the start of Alexa Grasso's UFC career went, that she'd win a UFC title. It was a little up and down at first, but now she's a world champion and on a six-fight unbeaten streak. And it was almost seven. In her last loss, she was up against the former champ Carla Esparza in what turned into one hell of a scrap. Both ladies were going to war and it was super close, but with just two minutes left in the third and final round, Alexa finally found her way to an armbar. She had it locked in and Carla ended up getting her arm bent like a John Wick henchman. But Carla refused to tap. She managed to roll out of it and it went to a judge's scorecards and she had done enough to get her hand raised. Although I'm pretty sure it was hard for her to eat any cookies after that. My elbow's a little little bit sore right now and... um. You know, a little banged up, but overall, I'm, you know, stoked with the win. Number nine, Dan Hooker versus Claudio Puelles. Well, I think we all kind of knew that pain is only a concept to the quite frankly bonkers Dan Hooker. After watching him take body kick after body kick against arguably the best Muay Thai fighter MMA has ever seen and basically keep himself standing entirely on pure heart and will because I'm pretty sure his internal system did a full shutdown by the end of it. Going into the fight against Claudio Puelles, Dan knew exactly what he was getting into. I mean, the guy was on a two-fight UFC knee bar win streak, but apparently Dan, you know, just doesn't care about his knees. If you could change one rule in the UFC, what would it be? I feel like the, the rule around like intelligently defending yourself 
is like a is like a good one to change. And what do you know, Dan in the first round found himself in our very deep knee bar from the Luta Livre expert. And yeah, despite it basically being completely locked in, he refused to tap. You're gonna have to rub my leg off. You know what I mean? You're gonna have to tear tear it off. I mean, even Puelas didn't quite believe it. I think Claudio lost all self-belief after that, and Dan managed to finish him in the second round. Number eight, John Jones versus Vitor Belfort. I think the first moment John Jones showed any sign of weakness was always going to be a moment that stuck in everyone's minds. You know, aside from Mazagati being in the cage, John had looked pretty much invincible. Sure, Lioto had punched him in the face a few times, but he ended up unconscious on the mat. But against Vitor Belfort, we saw Bones in real trouble. I mean, at first, things were pretty easy. John took the Phenom down in just 30 seconds, but out of nowhere, Vitor threw up an armbar and started trying to snap it like a breadstick. Break that arm, Mike. He might break that arm. Wow! Now, he definitely messed up John's elbow here. Vitor apparently even felt the arm pop, but it wasn't enough to make John tap. Yeah, I have my opportunity, but I, I, I think when I heard pop, I kind of... He survived, light heavyweight history wasn't changed forever, and then John submitted him after making him bleed his own blood in the fourth round. Number seven, Don Fry versus Ken Shamrock. Now, you might know Don Fry, or at least recognize that glorious mustache. He was a pioneer of the early UFC, and at one point was 14-1 and and had multiple UFC tournaments under his belt. The guy was an absolute savage, his nickname was The Predator, and I don't even think Arnie could have stopped him. But Ken Shamrock bloody well tried. At Pride 19, the Americans went toe-to-toe for all three rounds until about two minutes were left on the clock. Ken went old-school shoot wrestling and started attacking his ankle. And he would not let it go. Don Fry was stuck in that position until he started going for his own submission. I mean, Baz Rutan couldn't even believe what was happening. Don Fry is in big trouble here. He should defend the arm. He should do it. It literally went on until the fight ended and neither man tapped. Although Don would have to take painkillers because his knee was injured so badly and he ended up developing an addiction to them. But that man just did not want to tap. He kind of impressed the hell out of me that fight. He really did. I was so impressed with him. Number six, Frankie Edgar versus Tyson Griffin. Well, beloved as he is these days, MMA fans had no idea who Frankie Edgar was when he made his lightweight debut in the UFC, other than an undersized guy from New Jersey. But by the end of it, they also knew he pretty much was never going to quit or give up on himself, no matter how big the opponent might be. So what happened in that fight? Well, it was a pretty high-paced back and forth between two wrestlers, but it was probably going Frankie's way. So with just under a minute left in the third round, Tyson rolled into a knee bar, and it was some 41 levels of in too deep. I don't know how Frankie got through it, but he gritted his teeth and started wailing on Tyson and stubbornly held out until the final horn sounded and the legend of Frankie Edgar was born. Number five, Alex Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Pretty sure you guys knew this one would be on here, but I know being stuck in the middle of a rugby scrum must be a horrible experience, but it's probably nowhere near as bad as getting stuck in one of Brian Ortega's submissions. I mean, just ask Moicano or Cub Swanson if you need more information. But obviously, when you're going into a UFC cage to fight a BJJ black belt trained by the guy whose granddad founded the entire sport, you can probably expect you're going to have a few submission attempts to fight out of. And yeah, if you've seen this one, I'm not surprised. It was a crazy moment in an already pretty mental fight. Alex found himself not not only in a guillotine but mounted and Brian looked literal seconds away from becoming a world champion but somehow he said not today son 
But Brian did gas out and then Volk slipped out but fell straight into another triangle. Oh, how the fuck did this man get out of that choke? I was I was on top celebrating. I'll be honest with you, I was in there and I had him in that guillotine and I was just like, I'm about to be a world champ. Number four, Benson Henderson versus Cowboy Cerrone. I love a bit of old school world extreme cage fighting. Back in the day, it's where many of your favorite fighters came from, especially at lightweight. Gilbert Melendez, Anthony Pettis, and of course, Benson Henderson and Cowboy Cerrone. The two of them fought for the interim lightweight title when Jamie Varner sat out, and it was the start of a competitive rivalry that would last six years. Cerrone at the time had only ever lost once, and that's when he'd previously challenged for the belt. Bendo had also only ever lost once. It was a seriously good matchup. It was also non-stop action from the get-go, and nine of Cowboy's ten wins at this point had all come by submission mission and in the first 20 seconds he was already trying to tap out smooth the first thing he locked onto was a power guillotine it was incredibly tight frank mir was on comms he knows a lot about submissions and he was shocked to see hendo survive it <laughs> that is a deep choke i haven't seen many i don't think i've ever seen anybody accomplish when that hand goes behind the head with a guillotine like that it is over with cowboy then turned that right into a triangle after ben survived it and that was just as tight but he slapped on that guillotine later on in the fight and that one was even worse than the first one Honestly, you'd think Cowboy would give up with the subs at that point, but he put him in one last Kimura in the fifth round, and even that couldn't get Ben to tap. Classic fight between these two with more submission attempts than Fifty Shades of Grey. Number three, Dan Hardy versus George St. Pierre. Admittedly, when the UK's Dan Hardy took a big step up to face the then-best pound-for-pound fighter in Georges St-Pierre, not many people thought he had a chance at all. I mean, certainly no one else had been able to do anything to George, and Dan wasn't exactly known for his wrestling skills. Maybe he could crack him on the feet, but GSP didn't play any games in that fight. He took Dan down immediately almost every single round. And once it was on the mat, he attacked with a relentless stream of submission attempts that literally had him asking Dan after the fight if he was made of rubber. First of all, I'd, I'd already accepted that if a limb got broken, it was broken, and that's a part of the sport. He put him in a really nasty armbar at the end of the first round that looked like he was going to turn his arm into mozzarella, and then several Kimuras that had Joe Rogan literally pleading for Hardy to tap. Bad. Dan's got to tap. He's got to tap. He's going to rip his arm off, man. Credit to Dan, he survived all the submission attempts and won several fans over in the process simply by showing his determination and resilience to not tap or give up despite being completely dominated. Number two, Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. We've always known El Kikuri had good jiu-jitsu. He rolled around with Eddie Bravo, has a bunch of nasty submission finishes, and it was always talked about being the X-Factor against Habib and his grappling. So when they booked Charlie Olives versus T-Ferg, well, it was great because we were going to see two awesome grapplers going at it. But this came at a time when Tony seemed to be on a very much downward spiral and Charles was making his way towards the title. That became especially apparent when, at the end of the first round, after successfully controlling the boogeyman from Mount, Dubronx sat for an armbar with just 10 seconds left. Oh, he's got him hurt. Action deep. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now, this wasn't a particularly long one, but my God. Tony's head just disappeared, and all you could see was his arm that looked seconds from being ripped in half, and this was also being administered by the guy with the most submissions in the UFC. Somehow, some way, Tony Ferguson didn't tap. He ended up surviving to the final bell and refused to give up on himself. He then also got stuck in an absolutely hellacious knee bar against Dariush, but once again, didn't tap. Forget the dog in Tony Ferguson, okay? He must have fucking Aslan in there. 
Number one, Corey Sandhagen versus Yuri Alcantara. If you've seen the Sandman fight, you'll know apart from him being a former basketball player, athletic doesn't really begin to describe him. I mean, I've seen him fly through the air delivering flying knees with all the grace and finesse of a prime Michael Jordan, but I honestly didn't know he was also about as bendy as a stretch Armstrong. One proof? Well, look no further than his early UFC matchup against Yuri Alcantara. The BJJ black belt slapped on an armbar tighter than last season's ultimate fighter budget that surely would have tapped most fighters instantaneously. But not only did Corey survive, he also started trying to twist out of it and ended up looking like a human croissant. Must have been reading too many psychology books and realized pain is only in your mind, not in your arm. After about one minute, he managed to break out of it and then proceeded to redefine the word ground and pound as he unloaded on Yuri. No idea how he didn't tap. It could have been a scene from The Exorcist, but Corey Sandhagen, you're number one, mate. So when he had me in that, it didn't matter to me. I felt it pop, I felt it break. didn't matter to me. I wasn't going to lose. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, some pretty gnarly stuff right there. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a submission, but logic would dictate pain equals tap. Like these guys apparently aren't human. I don't know what they're made of. Rubber, cheese, Emmental, stretch Armstrong material. That was a fun toy, wasn't it? Remember that one? Anyway, appreciate you guys watching. Thank you. This was a fun one to research. Go and watch some crazy submissions. So, yeah, if you haven't seen some of these fights, you might want to go back and watch them. Shout out to uh, George. He's back. Mr. George Hutchinson. There we go. Thank you for editing the video, mate. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but go check him out on his social media if you haven't, or just to give him some support there as well. As always, a shout out to all you channel champions out there. Thank you very much for supporting us here. Joining the family. You can join them as well, guys. Links in the description as is the join button. Tons of cool benefits if you want to become part of the family. Go ahead and give us a thumbs up and a like if you enjoyed the video worked hard on this one guys okay I had to watch a lot of horrible submissions but if you are new here as well you want to be updated with all the latest stuff you can click subscribe but thank you very much for watching i'll see you in the next one guys take it easy thank you have a good day bye